This week on Erotic Awakening, Masters and Slaves. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. This week, we have an interview with the international master and slave title holders, Master Obsidian and Slave Namaste. Yay. And we also have a question of the day, and it's about collars. Ooh, I was around when the person asked that last night. We, you were indeed, and we'll get around to thanking them as well. Awesome. But before we get there, I do have to say, happy Multiple Orgasm Day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't we get kn- to celebrate? <laughs> we probably should. It's probably the appropriate thing to do. I don't know how a Multiple Orgasm Day is created. And I, don't th- I didn't get off work today for this, by the way. No, you didn't? No, not at all. So, well, I ended up seeing it on FetLife, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy that. Uh, as you may be aware, we are running for the, uh, the local Master and Slave Contest. This is actually mm-hmm. the Great Lakes Leather Association. Right. It's a regional regional master-slave contest. And if we win there, then we would move on to the International Master right. and Slave Contest at a later date. Right. February 2011 in Dallas. But first things first. First, we have to get to Great Lakes Leather Association. And as we mentioned a few podcasts back... We have to take a travel basket with us. Mm-hmm. Now, if you'd like to see what a travel basket, uh, the, the full write-up we have over at eroticawakening.com, and you'll see a link there to travel basket. And uh, we'll talk more about that later in the show. As a matter of fact, we are going to do an official pitch asking Ooh. for donations for things for our travel basket. I can't wait. As you may know, uh, uh, listeners to our show know that I uh, normally I'm opposed to accepting any donations to the podcast, but... So we're going to turn things on their heads for this one because it, it is for a great cause and mm-hmm. it does um, really, it'll be really neat to see the support that we get as we run for this title. I think it's awesome. I'm really excited about this. Oh. So we've already got people um, that have mentioned donations just when they heard that we were running. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what this turns out to look like. And we are going to uh, talk about that a little deeper into the show mm-hmm. as well. I do want to do a, a shout out to a, for some reason, we've got a couple people from Chicago lately commenting and saying how much they would like us to uh, show up in Chicago and they'd like to see us out there. As it happens, we are mm-hmm. on our way to Chicago. When, when is that? October? I believe that's October. And that would be for Kinky College. Kinky College. And mm-hmm. that is a fetish event in Chicago that's run by Master Z of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, don't, we always have a great time when we head out there, either to Kinky College or any of the other events in Chicago. Yep. Sensations, GD2, all of those. Yep. So if you are a fan of ours and you're in Chicago and you've said, gee, I hope you guys can make it out someday, you find Master Z of Chicago. And say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to come to your event. So last week we talked with, <laughs> uh, we talked about swinging. Yes. And we mentioned the Swap Foo podcast. Mm-hmm. As it happened, Mr. Swap Foo responded to that episode. <laughs> and you can hear what he had to say at uh, theeroticawakening.com under comments under the EO or the Erotic Awakening number 68, the swinging episode. Mm-hmm. Find that episode. You'll see there's comments posted under that. He um, was very 
courteous very and yes. thanked us for mentioning his podcast he did say we seem to have gotten a few things wrong okay and, and that we were dismissive he did suggest that we were perhaps a little dismissive of the swinging lifestyle i don't know about anyone else if they feel that way as well but uh, we asked mr swap if he, we could talk to him a little bit and mm-hmm. he's going to come on the show and talk to us about bdsm and swinging and stuff go. so that'll come up be coming up in a future episode I think it's really interesting. So <laughs> we mentioned something and they're listening and say, hmm, I think I want to define that a little better. Absolutely. And, and like I've always said, I'm big fans of it. We're going to speak our truth. You mm-hmm. know, I listened to the podcast. This is what I heard. So I related what I heard. He said, you know, I don't think you heard what I meant to say or or you may have misheard. Right. Well, hell yeah, man. Come on the show and talk to us or, or leave us a voicemail and say, hey, by the way, you got this screwed up. Right. I got no ego attachment to this being the perfect podcast. It's it's our experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get it right sometimes, and sometimes maybe we'll get it wrong, <laughs> and we'll live with that as well. Speaking of podcast, I wanted to thank Dark Angel of the Dark Side podcast. He came on the internet yesterday <laughs> and helped me play with some new toys. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to use Skype and iChat and maybe some right. other recording possibilities other than the phone recording that we do. He got on uh, Skype with me for a little bit, and mm-hmm. we did a little testing, and he shared some of the ways that he has been recording phone conversations for the Dark Side podcast. Right, so that he gets a better quality, because so, sometimes those phone conversations are hit or miss. Absolutely. And we also wanted to thank Bill and Rebecca, listeners from the Cleveland area, for also helping with audio stuff. They hopped on there. Uh, we did iChat, I think, with them. and mm-hmm. um, That was fun. It was fun. And I'm a, I'm a total Mac, uh, unsure about how Macintoshes work and stuff. But getting there, getting better. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Rebecca was very kind and helped us to do a little testing. And she was also very super kind to me because she zoomed over the little video camera <laughs> to Bill, her significant other, prior to me starting to flirt with her. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> some people, you know, you, you're like, boy, that looks like a very nice guy that could kill me if you wanted to. So we'll just. So thank you very much to they those guys. Nice. It was nice seeing them on the webcam, and then them seeing us, and us seeing them seeing us, and it was just kind of neat to make that connection. It, it is kind of neat, except for when you turn the the web came on accidentally first thing in the morning oops i'm a little rough looking first thing in the morning (laughs) as you should well know actually and not too long ago we asked the question are you born or made kinky that was one hell of a question apparently because that one is still generating a little bit of feedback this one came from deseria that's how i'm going to pronounce that name okay can i read this one please do all right um the way it was answered was First, some people are born with the wiring for pain or servitude or bootlicking, etc. But second, it's their conscious choice on what to do with it. I just thought that was really interesting how mm-hmm. they explained it. It says, not every person with an inclination towards servitude needs to find a master. They might be, oh, I'm going to say satisfied, I can't pronounce that word, <laughs> by being a butler or an on-call 24-7 secretary. No need for kink. However, I do think that BDSM can be a healthy way of dealing with our wiring. BDSM as therapy. Pain can be a way to self-deconstruct or a way of self-constructing. Interesting uh, feedback from Deseria. And we've seen that before, pain mm-hmm. as, or uh, BDSM as therapy. Mm-hmm. It's not something that 
I talk a whole lot about because it's really one of those 201 or even a 301 type subject, right? It's right. not something that you want to screw around with as, oh, I'm going to help you get over some childhood trauma by taking you back there after I've right. got you tied up. No, that's psychological messing with somebody's head thing. So, yeah, we don't talk about that a lot, so though it is out there. But another thing that they're talking about is just the whole servitude thing and how it doesn't have to be kink related and we were just talking to 410 mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and um she was trying to explain what she gets out of servitude so and sometimes it's hard to explain yep we had one of the master slave chats that you and i host here in columbus ohio mm-hmm. and someone asked her the question she defines herself as a service slave and someone mm-hmm. asked her what that means and and that's exactly what she explains it's not about the kink for her it, this in aspect that relationship, right? Right. It's not about the kink. It's not about sex. It's not about um, humiliation. It is about service. Yes. And she did a wonderful job of explaining what that means, and, mm-hmm. and that's something that we see reflected into serious comments. Mm-hmm. So, other than exactly. that, <laughs> you, you seem to be a little floaty. You seem I to be am. losing I'm a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep <laughs> aware of what's going on. <laughs> I am continuing my uh, explorations in rope. Yes. And today you're wearing some kind of a rope breast harness thing that I tried to put together. I am. And it's really pretty. It's the hot pink again. I'm going to have to go to Gar's Ropes and get some more hot pink rope. So that's where I got this from. Absolutely. And that is a big plug for Gar's Ropes. If you're <laughs> at an event and you see Gar's Ropes, that is the place to buy rope as far as we're concerned. We like Gar's Ropes. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, the, the neat thing about rope I wanted to mention was that last night we were at a uh, we're talking to 410, as you had mentioned, and right. she had mentioned to us uh, Loki's Bondage in- Intensive, and that's happening here in Columbus, Ohio, on July 10th. Uh, that's a Saturday, and it's going to be 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. all day long. It's wow. uh, 30 bucks at the door, and they tell me that it's going to be uh, very newbie friendly and very advanced friendly. And I, my impression is that they're going to start off with some basic stuff and kind of climb up from there. Sweet. So you start with the beginnings. Well, this is actually really cool. (laughs) I don't Um, know if this is beginning or advanced, but I like the breast harness. I'm going to assume that's beginning because I kind of like just slap that together. Uh Well, more information can be found about Lokai's bondage intensive on FetLife. So my understanding is there's an event created for it. Yep, sure is. So just do a uh, Lokai bondage intensive search for those terms. Mm -hmm. Or you can head over to the Adventures in Sexuality site, I imagine, and there will be some information about it there somewhere. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. So other things that are going on, we have um, Sarah Sloan's toy party getting closer. (laughs) It is indeed. So what are you doing with that? Um, well, we've got people coming for that, and she's going to be showing toys and and just having a blast. So she's going to educate us on different things and how to use vanilla toys in a kinky way, which most of us already know, but I'm sure she's got other ideas. And she's running a little um, special in that if you bring a friend with mm-hmm. you, then you also get a little gift. Oh, very cool. How do I RSVP for that? 
You can RSVP on FetLife. I have an event built. And how do I find that event? Sarah Sloan Toy Party should be what you look for if you want to search. Or I also have my own personal um, FetLife ID, which is Dan Zorani, mm-hmm. and it's listed under there as well. And I will put links to everything in our show notes today. Sweet. And then I see that we have a, uh, one of those sacred sexuality workshops coming up as well. We do. I try to hold those locally. Um, I've held a few already, and I've got another one coming up that's just really interesting. So it's called Kundalini Spiral for Sexual Healing, and we are going to concentrate on root chakra work, which is all energy-based. So if anybody's got any questions, they can ask us. Very cool. Very cool. So that's coming up at the beginning of July. So I've got like Sarah Sloan's toy party on a Tuesday and then the Kundalini workshop on a Thursday. Back to back like that? Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> Should make my life pretty interesting for the that I think that we week have a house well. tea on that Wednesday, yeah, too. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the question of the day is over the weekend we were invited to a party in West Virginia and uh, what a blast that was, and we're very appreciative. It's, it's always great to uh, go to a place where nobody knows who you are, mm-hmm. and, and you just go in. And uh, Boy, I tell you, you sometimes when you walk into a, someone's home, and you just feel like family, and you know, they're like, oh, there's, help yourself to the food, the drinks oh, yeah. are over there, have a seat mm-hmm. and chill and relax. Um, it, was just, it was just a great time. If you've never been to a house party, um, it's a nice intimate way to break into some BDSM stuff without a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Although this one had a, uh, a sensual room. Yes, uh, which does not mean quiet because we definitely heard the people in the room <laughs> doing <laughs> sensual <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. And uh, funny that uh, I think that Sensual room is a good name for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck pit could have been a good name <laughs> That's for it what as I would well. Name it. <laughs> uh, and apparently there was like five different groups that mm-hmm. were represented at that party, and um, they include. And I hope I'm, we're getting these names right. And it, because the the neat thing about that was is it was very. Um, Relaxed. It wasn't yes. like, oh, I am so-and-so of so-and-so group. It was just like, yeah, yeah, we're here. Well, usually, yeah, well, and usually it was other people pointing out the other groups. Mm-hmm. They were excited because five groups were represented at this one house party. So it, it was just really neat. It was very friendly, and I really had a great time. So we did want to mention a, a shout-out to those groups. We had All Play West Virginia there, uh, a group called Cats. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And Tape. Uh, which I believe is Tri-Area Power Exchange. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. And then FFS of West Virginia. Okay. And, of course, House Meta was represented as well. Yay. And speaking of House Meta, our own audio engineer and member of House Meta, Master Mm -hmm. Rick, as well as Rick's Kitten and Tiger Lily, did a presentation there. They did a presentation on um, master-slave relationships. I believe it was. What was it called? Um, Oh, Something like do this, say what? That's exactly what it was. So, yeah, and they did some really good role play of um, the different dynamics and expectations of Master Slave. So that was really neat to watch. Yeah, and a lot of fun. Uh And uh, they did a great job of it as well. Oh, and our Tiger Lily, House Meadows (sighs) Tiger Lily. Yes, we must mention this. Also won first place in the apple bobbing contest. 
that was so cool to watch because I can't get one apple. And what they have, there, it was her and the other guy had like six a piece or mm-hmm. seven a piece, and, and they a had to go into apple time limit. Apple bobbing sudden yes. death. <laughs> so, and for that, she won a fetish photo shoot. So, congratulations to, to Tiger Lily yes. and um, all of uh, their house, and thanks for making House Meta look good as well. Yay! So our question of the day comes from Rebecca of Cleveland, and she asks about the different types of collars. She was curious about uh, different kind of collars that you wear in the house, maybe outside the house, around your family, that kind of stuff. Right. And that may have come because she saw me online standing behind you, and my coll- I had my big, heavy collar on, so... I was doing collar time, and it was jingling when I walked by you. It was indeed. And, you know, sometimes I forget that um, some of our listeners have not had the opportunity to actually wear collars Mm -hmm. at all. And you know what? It's not that unusual for somebody who's new to the lifestyle to say, gee, do you wear that big, you know, three-inch wide leather band out when you go to the grocery store? Or the steel circle. Right. (laughs) You know, when you go. So, and Rebecca was telling us that um, she had not been to an event yet, so she may not even have seen other people in real life wear collars. Mm-hmm. So, so this she, is a good question. Absolutely. So she had asked about the different kind of collar different, for different situations, and you right. indeed have a variety of collars for different situations. I do, and we actually started out, my first collar was a simple strip of corded leather. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one that you whipped me with, and then we turned it into a collar. So we put a little medallion on it, had mm-hmm. somebody make the clasp. It was really awesome, and I wore it a lot. So, And then we upgraded to a velvet collar. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, and then we upgraded to a red play collar, but I only wore that at playtime. And all of these collars you're talking about so far were only worn in lifestyle-friendly situations. right. Right. So, um, but then we did the official collaring. Right. And when we did that in 01, um, we, I got a, uh, it's a sterling silver chain with a heart on it. Mm-hmm. And it says, Dan claims Dawn, 3-3 of 01. Yes. So we engraved that. Mm-hmm. And we got it from um, All Things Remembered, which is kind of a... Vanilla, yeah. obviously, vanilla well, shop. And right, the... that's where the engraving came from. So trying to get them to make sure they put my name in a little D mm-hmm. was very confusing for them. But we got the chain from um, Sterling Mountain, which was a kiosk in one of our local malls. Right. And to look at it, it doesn't look like it's particularly a collar per se. Right. So it's nice and heavy, though. I'm surprised it hasn't set off the alarms in the airports. But um, you actually see a couple of other people wearing them like this because it's available at a regular sterling silver kiosk. But, um, yeah, but the first time I wore it out in public, I was like, oh, my God, everybody's going to (laughs) know. But um, I've been wearing it for, geez, nine years now, nine and a half years. So, and it's, this is the one that I wear out in public. Right. And this is the, uh, what we would call a day collar. Yes. And uh, Slave Jim also has a day collar, mm-hmm. and it's, um, 
not quite the same as that, but it's a simple band. It looks like a necklace to your average person. Just has right. to be a ch- more of a choker style necklace, though. Right. And some people wear bracelets. Some people wear anklets. Some people wear just regular necklaces. You know, a day collar can um, take on just about any form. So it's whatever's personal to the couple. Now, for you, for playtime or yes. for lifestyle-friendly events, you have a variety of different collars. Mm-hmm. We don't really have an official, this is my slave collar. I think the uh, the first one that I got you, which we got from a Renaissance Festival, yes. if I remember correctly, is probably the the leather collar that you wear Mm-hmm. as a slave most often most often yeah it's it's beautiful and it's handmade and it's the wide leather and it's got the o-ring on the front mm-hmm. for the leash and it's got a little um oh i forget what they're called but it's got a little bit of um design mm-hmm. in the collar a little silver design so and it's really awesome but because you like to accessorize no we because have a... i like purple <laughs> For some reason, you ended up with a purple collar that matches some purple cuffs that you have. Yes, I did. I, I do. And I remember um, where I got that purple collar from. It was from a gay leather store in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to visit um, family that lives kind of near there and took my sister to her first leather store. And she saw the purple and she's like, you've got to buy it. You've got to buy it. And I'm like... I can't buy my own collar. <laughs> so I, I took a picture and I texted you and you told me to go ahead and get it. Mm-hmm. So buying my own collar is just never anything I've aspired to. Right. So, But it is pretty and it's purple. And yes, we got matching, matching cuffs to go with mm-hmm. it. Now, I remember uh, recently Master Rick told the story of how he had a particular artisan a particular mm-hmm. leather worker that he wanted to make the collar that he got for Rick's kitten. Yes. And he waited until that uh, artisan had the right collar, and mm-hmm. when he, when, you know, and he, he kept checking, and that's the collar that he got uh, for his slave. Yes. And for them, that's very symbolic, right? That's, or that's mm-hmm. very special for them. And most people are going to have that kind of attachment to a collar. Yes. Um, I still like my black one. You know, mm-hmm. my black one is is is. Uh, to me, that's the one that's got the most um, meaning behind it. The purple one is just an accessory. So now even Slave Gem, we found the artist for that collar mm-hmm. at one event and found out that they were coming to a Columbus event. Mm-hmm. And then you had Slave Gem go look at the collars and kind of suggest one, and then you picked it out. Yep, and that was uh, it's very neat when you get... Dawn and I have the opportunity to travel a lot and go to check out different vendors. Mm-hmm. So when we found the vendor that we wanted to get the collar from, but of course Jem wasn't with us, so we're like, oh, I don't want to get something, you know, it's not going to fit her just right. 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 It was just so happened that they were traveling to an event we were on our way to, mm-hmm. so we took we just took Jem's neck to that event, <laughs> along with the rest of her, and said, here, let's see what fits. Mm-hmm. It should be noted, though, some people do have collars, that are more collar-ish, more thick bands of metal. That And we know people that have um, welded collars. Yes. It is what they wear 24-7, whether it's at home scrubbing the floors, sucking mm-hmm. master's cock, or going to a PTA meeting. They've got that collar on. Yeah. And we know uh, fairly common as well is to have a small padlock on a collar mm-hmm. that master keeps so or mistress keeps. So you won't even be able to take off that uh, collar 
which <laughs> we've heard the stories about airport security. <laughs> and that, so <laughs> wanted the collar off, but the keys and the luggage. <laughs> so that can cause problems sometimes. As got to well. think ahead a little bit. So, but but yeah. So Rebecca, that is the difference that we can explain. And this doesn't go into training collars and collars of consideration and things like that. This is just day collar versus. Uh, an event collar or a public collar versus a more lifestyle appropriate collar right so now one thing i do find is that even though i wear my day collar all the time Mm -hmm. when we have like a house tea or we go to an event or we go to a munch that's um in a place where you can do that Mm -hmm. or even workshops and stuff i love to have my leather collar on as well Mm -hmm. it just sets me in a headspace so i love it (laughs) if you have a question of the day that you would like us to approach you can get a hold of us in a variety of ways you can contact us via email dan and dawn at eroticawakening.com or the got comment form on the webpage. on facebook we can be found as erotic awakening one word Our voicemail is 206-309-0054. On FetLife, we are Erotic Awakening. And on Twitter, we are Dan and Dawn. A short time ago, it was suggested to us that after 12 years in a power exchange relationship and facing and overcoming the many difficulties in this style of relationship, It was time for us to step up and recognize this accomplishment. As such, we have decided to enter the Great Lakes Leather Association's Master and Slave Contest. And in this, we need your help. The requirement of the contest is the creation and donation of a themed travel basket. The basket is then raffled off and the proceeds go both to various charities as well as cover travel expenses that allow educators to reach out to various groups and organizations. Items found in a typical travel basket include everything from BDSM toys, new or gently used leather goods, non-perishable food and liquor, to vintage porn, gift certificates, not to local stores, leather-clad teddy bears, pride flags, and aftercare blankets. Per the rules of the contest, contestants are not allowed to donate anything to their own basket. Instead, we must seek donations from those that support our efforts in the community. With this in mind, we are humbly asking for your help. If you care to donate an item to our travel basket, we'd be able to provide a basket that would be the crown jewel of the auction. This would provide not only a sizable donation, but also show the strength of the Erotic Awakening community and their support for the lifestyle and continued education. If you or your group are able to donate something, please feel free to contact us directly via Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com to arrange for pickup or delivery information. Regardless, we appreciate your well wishes and positive energy. It is an honor to serve the community. We are sitting here tonight with Master Obsidian and Slave Namaste, and you guys just won a pretty big contest. What was the name of that contest? That name, the name of that contest was the International Master Slave Contest. Um, it's actually the South Plains Leather Fest that was held in Dallas, Texas. Good deal. So, so what's that mean that you won the title of International Master Slave? Well, there are a number of regions across the U.S. that are regional feeder contests. So, prior to winning the international, we had to compete at our region as the Southwest region. 
And so we had to see the Southwest region and win that title first. And then all of the regional winners go to the international to compete against each other. So it's quite an honor for us. Okay. Is it a difficult thing to become the international master and slave? And it sounds like there's a lot of people voting, a lot of people running. Um, I would say it, it is a difficult thing, but it, it's not based on votes. They have, you know, it's a panel of seven judges, um, cross-representation of the community, um, some previous title holders, some not, um, not all master or slave. And they are will judge you in various categories um, for the international master slave competition. But it, it's difficult. But it's difficult in the sense of you know the biggest thing is being authentic and just being prepared and being willing to um, be very transparent. Okay. Now, is this a leather title or a teaching title, or is there really a difference between them? It is a teaching title. We're expected during our title year to make ourselves available to the um, to the seminars and um, lead discussions and things like that, which we have done. I mean, there's a requirement that we actually um, teach for events uh, during the course of our title year, which we've already achieved that. So, but yeah, it is a teaching title, definitely. Okay. Give me a little background. How do you guys end up being that international master and slave? Who are you guys, and how did you meet, and how did you be, even begin this whole master-slave journey? Well, we've been master and slave for um, a little over seven years. We got into this. I mean, we were going along, living our lives, and doing our thing. And actually, about three years ago, um, Master Malik, um, out of Oklahoma, um, who's a really dear friend of ours, he actually asked us if we would consider running for the regional contest. Um, he and his slave, Kathy, had been um, title holders one year, and then he had asked us if he would run the following year. And, of course, um, real life is what gets in the way while you're making other plans. And I actually had previous commitments the following year to judge um, in an international contest. So the subsequent year, which is like three years later, which is this year, um, we prepared and we ended up competing in the um, in the Southwest contest. And prior to that, it was just a year of preparation, a um, year of getting ready. We went around to all of the, we traveled to all of the feeder contests and actually saw how they were run, saw what kind of questions people were getting, um, looked at the various facets of the contest in terms of you know, the two-minute presentation, um, the actual presentation that you do, there's a, a, a two-minute speech, there's um, the judges looking at you throughout the weekend in terms of your own personal protocol and how you carry yourself, how you carry yourself, and then there's an extensive interview portion where the judges are allowed to ask you questions. So we were looking at all of that, basically putting ourselves in their shoes, saying what would we want to bring out, what would be important to us, um, should we get the opportunity to go ahead and compete? If you are judging that, what is it you look for? What are the kind of things that you you you'd mentioned how people carry themselves through the contest weekend? But what else do you look for out of a master slave? Well, there's an interview portion where um, the seven judges you're sitting before a panel of seven judges, and of course there are also spectators in there, and they uh, will ask you 
questions about your dynamics. Uh, one of the requirements is you have to have been in a master-slave relationship for more than one year. And okay. so they ask you about your personal history. They ask you about your opinion on certain matters facing the, um, the MS and the larger team community. Um, what they really want to understand, having being a title holder is essentially being an educator, but also being an ambassador and talking about the master-slave lifestyle to those that don't know it. So I think um, having been a judge and also a contestant, what I would be looking for is would these folks be able to represent me in my dynamics um, eloquently, would they be articulate, would they be knowledgeable, would they be personable, do they actually love people, do they love to actually interact with folks, um, would they be able to show somebody who doesn't know anything about master slaves um, what they need to do, how they need to start, what they could look forward to in a healthy, productive master slaves. Nice. So that's pretty comprehensive. So, and uh, so they're specifically looking for someone that can represent them. That's the way. And so, what kind of questions do they ask? Do you remember any off the top of your head? Well, um, there were a lot, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and and you know, it's, it's really about, like I said, it's really about transparency. They they ask questions that are very uh, personal. You know, so one of the questions from opinion, like, do you feel, I know one of the questions that was asked um, to master was, do you feel that a woman can be a master? Um, and uh, another question that was asked was, um, what was a time when uh, your master broke your trust and how did you get past it? Um <laughs> There was a question, um, if, if, um, if your master asked you to go and slash someone's tires, how would you handle that? What would you do? Um, you know, so, so they're just all over the place, you know. And what we didn't have a lot of questions in for our particular contest, for either one, for our regional or the international contest this year, was we didn't have a lot of questions on um, leather history, but... In other contests that I've seen in the third, um, there were a great deal of questions on leather history, so it's not necessarily a leather title. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we didn't have, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we prepared for, you know, questions on leather history, but we didn't really have to answer. That was one thing that we didn't have to answer a lot of questions on leather history. But a lot of it is just how did you guys run What are the protocols that you guys have? You know, um, do you get disciplined? What kind of discipline? What would you do if she, you know, did something that was displeasing to you? How do we have blogs that we that we write? So, you know, how do they play into your dynamic? You know, those types of questions. Nice. So, sounds like fun, actually. <laughs> so, but um, so you're so you're on stage. So I can see where it'd be a little nervous, so a little nerve wracking too. So. Obviously, you guys did well if you won the title. <laughs> now, you mentioned about the questions about leather history, and that's kind of interesting to me. Do you see, and this is not so much about this contest per se, but more in the general community, do you see there a big difference between those people that identify as master-slave involved in the leather community, for example, say, mast chapters, and people that just simply don't that do identify as master slave, but don't identify with the leather community. Um, 
I see one of the, the differences that I see, and of course there's exceptions, you know, um, but it's not about that everybody does it this way. But I do see a difference. Um, it seems as if in the general uh, BDSM community, MF relationships have a little more focus on sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the leather community, it's not, it, it, it's very common for master and slave not to have safe, uh, share a sexual relationship. There's a lot, there's a lot more romanticism um, in MS relationships in BDSM, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Master and I, even though we're leather, you know, we're also head over heels in love with each other. So we kind of have, you know, we definitely have both. But just as a, you know, if I was to just make a, a little bit of a generalization there, those are some of the, the differences um, that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Man, Shipsy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that what you'll see in a lot of cases in in the leather side is that folks will be in a master-slave relationship, and they, um, many, in a lot of cases that we know of, will um, cross orientations where you'll have uh, a a gay leather man who has a, a female lesbian slave. Or mm-hmm. you know, vice versa, or you know, a heterosexual master who has who has a, a gay player. Um, it's about it's, the focus seems to be more on the master-slave dynamic um, in a very not really rigid sense, but in a more um, there are certain boundaries around that relationship that you know transcends the romantic. Side. You know, the focus is in it, and they are definitely power exchange, definitely, um, you know, slaves, and definitely being mastered by someone, but some necessarily share the same sexual orientation, don't have a romantic relationship to speak of, may not have a sexual relationship.